Jason, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? I am really, really good. I have been looking forward to this conversation for, I guess, it's been a full week since we we've been talking about doing this. That's right. And I wrote down a ton, I wrote down a ton of questions. First thing is, go ahead and introduce yourself. Um, like who you are, who you work for, you work for yourself, but, uh, and what you're working on. Um, and we'll get into working for yourself cause that's your big thing. Right. But, sure. um, yeah. Tell me about yourself. Yeah. So I'm Jason Smith or JSAWS games, as you may know me on the internet. Um, I'm the developer of Cultic. Um, I'm being published by, uh, 3d realms. So if you are familiar with, uh, 3d realms, that's might be where you've seen Cultic before, or if you're one of the awesome people who've been following it since it was a baby project, uh, then that was probably probably more of a surprise than the folks who discovered it initially as a 3D Realms project. But yeah, originally just a hobby project. So this this hobby project turned into your full time gig. Is this the first game that got you that full time gig? As uh, a full time game developer. Oh yeah, it's the first game that ever got out of like um, like tiny little single scene hobby project status because uh, I was a, a pretty pretty serial project hopper before cultic just like as soon as something new like a new idea would would hit my brain i would just stop what i was working on and go work on that i know yeah yeah and that's the thing and i know my audience so many people who listen to this struggle with that and it's one of the it's it's definitely a problem that solo solo developers have because there's like no accountability and we're going to talk all about solo development because there's a ton of questions about solo development. So you, you release Cultic, you're still releasing chapters for Cultic and that's providing you a full-time income along with, I'm sure 3d realms funds you, correct? Um, I it just funded off of, um, the sales of my game. So it's just, uh, if I succeed, uh, then I succeed. <laughs> and if I, ah, and, yes. and, if, and if I stop selling games, uh, then I don't get to have electricity anymore. So right. um, I'm, I'm officially uh, officially took the plunge into being self-sustaining, which right now is working out great. But I would lie um, if I said there wasn't a great anxiety that I'll like never release another good game. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the thought of going back to like like an eight to five like regular gig uh, is really yeah. is, is really scary because I'm a spoiled man now. I totally know how you feel. It's a it's almost a guilty feeling of like I know this isn't fair. Yeah, that I get to do what I do. Yeah, hundred percent. And and so it's gonna end. Yeah, it's it's gonna like the universe or God is gonna take it away from me. Well, it's and just... sorry, go ahead. No, and that's that's what I've been dealing with for for seven years, because because when I first went full time was seven years ago because of a Kickstarter campaign, mm -hmm. and I I consistently told my wife it's gonna get taken away, like all of it's just gonna go away because it feels. It just feels too good to be true. It's so wrong. You know? It's so dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I, I, I think the worst thing for me was like when I um, when I started going full time was still. I guess I guess it it was still kind of during like not not that COVID's gone away, but it was like during like COVID like times, you know, when stuff was still yeah. kind of shut down and and I, I remember like. And I guess I still kind of get this, but like, just like going to, like, if I go to the grocery store at like, at like 11 AM on a Tuesday, because you know, my schedule makes no sense. Um, it's just like, I see people working way harder than me and I feel so bad. Cause I'm just like, you know, my, I'm just going to go home and sit at my computer and work on my games. It's like, it's like, it's like a very weird, um, I guess I don't know what the term it, it, it's, it's a bad guilty feeling. <laughs> and yeah, it is. 
uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I, I've been there before, you know, like that was, you know, I did, that was what I did in college was that kind of, you know, uh, like, like retail work. And so like, I know, yeah. I know that it can be kind of soul draining. And so to be doing something that's like the opposite of that, that's very like mm-hmm. fulfilling, um, yeah. is just like, it, it feels weird. Cause I'm, you know, I'm only two years into getting to do this full time now. Um, so it's, it still feels very weird. Yeah. Well, let take me back to those retail years. Um, <laughs> What what was the process like going um, from going from specifically from because I I worked retail I was <clears throat> I was a shoe salesman I worked at a shoe store and it all of my high school friends and college friends were doing it mm-hmm. we all we all worked at this well me and my buddy worked at it but everyone was working some kind of retail job and that was just what you did right mm-hmm. um, to to pay for like your rent at college or whatever so. I got my first, like, I got like $20,000 from some silly small flash game that I did. And it was shocking to me because I was like standing at the register at the shoe store and I thought, I'm going to quit. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> it's over. It's done. And then, so I felt like the plane had landed and I was off the ride and I was like, now I can just kind of chill. That but then again, after that, I got married, and then the money went away, and I worked. A, and then I went. I worked a full time gig as at a marketing agency, mm-hmm. and I went through that same process again. So tell me about what it was like for you, and how you, how you got like maybe for like five, ten minutes of conversation here, just getting from that that those couple days working the job you hated all the way to the point where you got that email that said you were going to get funded. So I. Um... I went to college for graphic design, um, and that was kind of what I did professionally before this. So I, I guess like, you know, me too. so so retail was, uh, that was like college, like high school, college, trying to pay my way through college. Cause I, um, since I went to like, I went to like a tech school, like a vocational mm-hmm. school for graphic design, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. Um, but because the tuition was only like, like, I think my full tuition for two years there, books and everything was like seven grand. And so I was like, oh, I'm not getting a loan for that. I'm just going to like work at, well, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to work. At, so I worked at Sears. If you remember Sears, everybody, uh, <laughs> I, I worked, I worked at Sears selling electronics, which was actually a pretty fun job. Um, and then after that, I worked at the, at a Walgreens photo lab, um, which would have been a cool job if people weren't sending me like. Like I guess this is going on YouTube, so I'm not going to say that. But um, people people sending me things I didn't want to print um, yeah. was uh you know you kind of, it's it's kind of like a like a, I I went to college in well a a college town but also like a very um, it just wasn't a great town and uh, so yeah the kind of yeah. stuff that you get asked to print was kind of yucky uh, but yeah. it, so after that I actually went into graphic design um, and I did that gosh from like 2013 through 2017. And in twenty wow. and in twenty seventeen and in twenty seventeen, I was actually working an awesome job. I worked for a hospitality company, um, and I did like graphic design and photography for their restaurant division. Um, so yeah. I so I did their menus and got to go like uh, photograph all of the reshoot like the seasonal menu flips, yeah. um, which meant I got to eat a lot of food, which I'm really good at doing. So that was a great <laughs> job for me. Um, yeah. But then the the living situation I was in at the time fell apart, um, relationship fell apart, and so I decided to move back home to Kansas. Uh, and I'd kind of I'd always been I've always been interested in more of like you know well, I've, I've been interested in game development since I was like ten years old, and so I you know ideally that's what I always wanted to do. But yeah. you know when you start to look at realistic jobs in the real world, it's like okay, well maybe that's going to turn into like an IT job or something instead. 
Um, yeah. So when I moved home, I switched gears um, and I got a job um, actually in my hometown doing software support. Um, so which which would just be like a call center job, except that it was kind of like half call center and then half like actually getting to like dig into a little bit of code and like troubleshoot stuff. And that was and that, so that was like kind of fun. And that was uh, yeah. like it was a less prestigious job than getting to do all this like photography for these cool like restaurants mm-hmm. and stuff but it was something that it I like I was so much more passionate about it um yeah. and so it was a lot more fulfilling and then so I did that for a few years and then in 2020 um I started working on Cultic it was January of 2020 I'm trying to remember my my or was it 2021 oh lord I'm so old I can't remember um I think it was 20, January 2020, I think is when I started working on it. Yeah. Um, so no, by it was working t- on it. <laughs> Sorry. It was 2021, January 2021. Uh, All you got to say is, was it during COVID or not? It, it, it was during it, it was during <laughs> COVID. So it would have been January 2021. Yeah. So I started working on it January yeah. 2021. When you say started working on it, do you mean you started learning game development? No, no. I've been doing game okay. devs. So you, okay. I've been doing game devs since I was uh, 10 or 11 years old. And of course, how when, old are you, Jason? I, I'm 31. I'm, okay, I'm an you old man. You and I have like this. We have like the same life. Um, like I'm I'm 33, and I I worked. I was graphic design for. I went to college for graphic design. I went to a tech school. Mm-hmm. I ended up going to Clemson, um, which is not a tech school, but I went to a tech school for the first year. Um, raised in a very small conservative town. Hey, I'm me still too. here. <laughs> yeah, I'm still here, man. And I, you know, there's, it's, it's, there's good and bad. Um, but I love, I love small town America. It's like, yeah, it's something I'm really, I'm really passionate about, like the good and the bad. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm really a... passionate about Southern Gothic. Southern Gothic is one of my favorite aesthetics. Um, are you in a small town now? Did you move back to one? After? Yeah, no. Well, I, I grew up, I grew up, it's in South Carolina. So, um, it was a small town and now it's blowing up because after COVID everybody started coming here. Um, trying to get out of like bigger cities. The only so, the only South Carolina city I've been to is Myrtle Beach. I'm gonna guess that's not where you are. <laughs> not where I am, but I love it. I love all of. It's such a. It's kind of a trashy kind of place. It is. It's like it's it like is. the Vegas. It's like the Vegas of the South, and it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> and you can go to all the See, you can go to all the wing stores and buy T-shirts and things that have things on them that we can't talk about on a YouTube show. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly right. But what's cool about this is, and I want my audience to hear this, is that you and I are two of like the most normal guys out there. We're like classic normal American dude. Um, we didn't have some crazy. I I mean, it sounds like your childhood was fairly decent, just like a normal kid. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm pretty much nothing too uh, yeah. nothing too exciting. Uh, same for me, and yet here you and I are both are working with 3D Realms, and we're releasing some of the most vile, violent video games <laughs> today, especially today because these kind of games don't really get made anymore, especially your game. Um, so anyway, you, st- <laughs> you started working on Cultic, right? Um, right. you were still working a full-time job. Yeah, so I started doing game dev when I was like 10 or 11, and by game dev, I mean I downloaded GameMaker, I think it was four or five back then and was just like stealing sprites from spriters resource and making games that way um and then i started doing my own animation and my own sprites um in high school which would have been like 2006 Mm -hmm. and then it wasn't until 
I want to say 2015 that I finally started looking into 3D game dev. Um, so I think 2015 or 2016 is when I finally like downloaded Unity because all of these game ideas I had in my head, 2D wasn't going to cut it for them anymore. Like I needed more than than 2D. Um, and so I so that's about when I started learning modeling and and like 3D game development and and a real uh, programming language because Game Maker of course uses GML um, and then Unity uses C sharp and so I was learning more of a I guess like a a, a, a more respected engine I don't, or a more respected language <laughs> I, I, yeah. I hear I hear people poop on GML all the time because its syntax is really loose I don't know if that's still the case or not um, but it was definitely the case when I was using it. Um, and then, yeah, so 2021, I started working on Coltic. And the idea for Coltic has been around for a long time. I've wanted to make that game since, oh, gosh, probably when I first started playing, like, build engine shooters, which would have been in, like, middle school. Um, yeah. But I never, you know, I knew it had to be a 3D game, and I didn't have any 3D game development skills. And so I never tried to make it in my Game Maker days. Um, and then I tried to start making it in Unity several times, but my 3D skills were just terrible. Like, you know, I was still learning. And so every time I would try it, I wouldn't be happy with the results I was getting because, in my, you know, I've been building up this idea of mine as like a dream game in my head. And so I don't, I wouldn't be satisfied with anything less than like, like perfection, which is a, a word that's probably going to get thrown around a lot today. Um, and, uh, and then so early 2021, I was actually working on a completely different game um, called Cryptic. Uh, which was going to be, I, I was just like right in the middle of like phasmophobia craze, right? And which is still one of my favorite games. Um, and I really wanted to make a game kind of like phasmophobia, but in, but more action oriented. And you were like hunting cryptids. And I still want to make this game sometime in the future, unless someone steals it from me, which would be fine because I still want to play it. <laughs> um, and I modeled this, just this mare's leg uh, lever action rifle for it. But I wanted it to be like a low poly PS1 aesthetic kind of thing. Um, but just for funsies, I decided to, I had this model that I had made for this completely different game. Um, and I wanted to try turning it into a sprite, like just for fun. I'd never done that kind of like 3D model to sprite workflow. And so, and so I did that and I, and I found this cool palette that I liked and modified it a bit and applied the palette to those sprites that I made. Um, and I put it on Twitter and it was like the biggest tweet I'd ever had in my life. And granted, I had like maybe a hundred followers then, um, and so this was like, normally if I tweeted something, it would get like maybe 12 likes on it um, on a good day. And this was something that got like hundreds. Um, and so I was like, oh man, I'm onto something here. Um, and so I took another model from an old from a game I wanted to work on, um, which was the old uh, Axe Cultist model, the really low poly one. Um, and I turned him into a sprite too. And then I put the two things together in Unity with a really crunchy palette and made that they're one of those earliest cultic videos of just like shooting these guys with the lever action and that like that blew up um and then so i work on that for a little bit and i'm to the point where i have like this tiny test area which is just like like a 10 by 10 unity unit dirt square basically and and like one enemy and like two weapons and then fred from 3d realms reaches out to me um and i thought it was a scam when I saw the message, because I mean, I mean, it's like, it's like, that's like getting the, you know, like the email that's like, I'm the king of this country and I want to give you a bunch of money. You know, it's like, it's just, you know, um, you start to get a little bit of attention and then suddenly some, yeah. somebody from a game studio is like, we want to buy, we, you know, we want to sign your game. Um, yeah. and I didn't, and I didn't know who he was, um, because, you know, my knowledge of 3d realms was pretty much limited to, to Duke Nukem 3d. That was it. Um, yeah. and so I was like, I used to, you know, I used to play that, that game. That's a cool game. Um, 
And then I saw, I don't remember how, but I saw, um, I think I probably just decided to look him up and I was just like, well, let's see if this guy's real. And then I look him up and it's like, oh no, he's, he's a real person and he's actually from yeah. 3D Realms. Um, and so then I really hastily replied to him because I think I just left him in my inbox for a couple days <laughs> because I thought it was fake. Um, and yeah, and so it's like, here I am with this, you know, this rinky dink little game that's like one test area and just like some sprites. And then I've got, you know, this company that made these games that I used to play and I still love that's like wanting to sign my game. And that was, I, that was, that was crazy. And then, uh, yeah. and I, my imposter syndrome was, still is, but at the time was like so deep that I was like, no, like I, I don't even have a game yet. I just have some sprites. And so I told him like, let me make a proof of concept demo for you um, to kind of show you, cause I didn't have any gameplay yet. And so I was like, yeah. I, I wanna show you what I'm thinking Cultic is gonna be. Um, or at the time it was still cryptic actually. Um, but I was like, I wanna show you what the, like what I want this game to be. And so I spent all of March like, you know, I worked full time eight to five, and then I would say from like five to one in the morning, I would work on my this first level demo. Um, and so by the end of March, I had a. So one- what time? What time did you start? I'm sorry to interrupt. What time did you start working, and what time did you end? Because people listening might want to replicate your schedule. It sounds <laughs> don't it, it don't. sounds insane, but <laughs> don't, if don't. people really want it, they're gonna go for it. So what was your schedule again? So I, I my day job was eight to five. Um, and then I would, and then I would like take a break and eat dinner. And then I would usually work on my game from like 5 PM until 11 to one in the morning, whenever I was Dude. like, I have to go to bed. Yes. I'm so happy for you and excited for you that you did that. Cause that takes so much. It and sucks. I'm also a little bit, I'm a little <laughs> bit proud cause I did the same thing. And, and you see so many people on YouTube and on Twitter in the comments saying like, well, I can't do what you guys do because I have X, Y, and Z going on. And I'm like, every, most people are doing exactly what everyone else is doing, working yeah. our butts off. The only difference is, is that once 5 PM hits, that's not Netflix time Yeah. or like, or like, I don't know, playing video games. It's time to make games Yeah. for you, for you and me. Now I, I can't, I could never do it again. Yeah. Yeah. And right now like even tonight doing this podcast with you is exhausting like <laughs> yeah yeah like I, I, usually usually it's five o'clock i'm done hang out with my kids go go netflix and chill but mm-hmm. when i was when i first got married and i this is the best part the best part of working a day job is that you learn what you don't want and more importantly even even what you hate so that it pushes you and propels you to go and do what you did which is i'm gonna work till 1 a.m just to get out of this stupid day job. Yeah. Now, granted, I think you said you liked your day job, so. I did, that was yeah, 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 part, part yeah. of it, yeah, I did like my day job, because um, I, doing like software support stuff meant that I basically sat on Discord with all of my coworkers who were good friends of mine, and we just like, you know, yeah. I almost said I almost said a bad word. We just, uh, we just <laughs> BS'd all day, and, yeah. um, and, uh, and so, you know, it was, it was fun. Like, I looked forward to going to work. So that definitely helps. You know, if it was a thing where I was working, you know, like, again, like if it was like, like my retail job, like at Walgreens, like I could never, I don't think I could have ever gone home and then made myself work until one in the morning after that job. Cause that job was yeah. physically exhausting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it was, it was very, very busy. And that, unfortunately that schedule persisted into up until probably about chapter one released. Um, not, okay. and, and how long was that? How many months? About, uh, about a year. Um, I think. Okay. So, so cultic, and I'm trying to give my audience a good framework here sure. of what they can potentially replicate. So I'm I'm really sorry I'm interrupting you, but how dare you? Um, 
I'm trying to get a framework so that people can kind of understand what they might have to do to do what you do. Um, okay, so you had an eight to five job, then you worked all through the evenings, all the way to midnight basically on Cultic, and you did this for a year. Now, did you have something prior um, before that conversation with Fred that put you, well, I'm trying to figure this out. So you worked on it a year and then got yeah, an email let me, from Fred? Let, let me lay out, yeah, let me lay out the timeline. So I started on it in January of 2021. Um, and I and it was basically just a little hobby whenever I have time project for about two months. Um, but during that time is when my tweets about the game were like picking up steam, and so I was gotcha. I, I was I was working on it more and more. March is when Fred reached out to me, um, and then from March to April, I worked on the 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 the, the proof of concept demo, I guess, to show them like. This, yeah. you know, this is what I want the game to look like. And if you still like it, then yes, I would love to, I would love to sign on. Um, yeah. And then April to August was putting together the Realms Deep demo. April to August was the eight to five um, and then five to one. That was that schedule. So you, you weren't willing to quit your job to, even though you signed with the publisher? Uh, so, um, right. So I had, I, I didn't really feel enough security because basically yeah. all it was, not that I like, not that I didn't respect the opinion of 3D Realms or appreciate them, but at, yeah. at the time it was basically my my 500 Twitter followers and then 3D Realms that were excited about this game, and and you know I'm smart yes, I'm smart enough I to see. know that that's not enough money for me to quit my day job, yeah. um, and I also and I can't I'm not going to go into details about it, but the uh, the the publishing deal that I accepted was. Um, it, it was very safe for me, so I did not. I did not stake. There weren't. There weren't a lot of like financial stakes involved there. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Because I didn't want. Because I was. I was terrified of like cultic failing and then me like owing somebody a bunch of money. You know, I. I, yeah. I, I didn't want that to happen. And for clarity, for clarity for my audience, and I apologize if if I'm arguing with you here. That can't happen. Right. No. I mean, and and now being you know being around a publisher for this long, I'm yeah. I, I know that. But at the time, I you know I had never I had never right. you know I had never I hadn't even dipped one toe into the game development world. So that yeah. was like so my thought was like you know if if a publisher says that you know they'll give me X Y Z budget to work on a game and the game flops terribly and I had never released anything to that point, so yeah. I had no you know I didn't know how it was going to go. Um, I don't, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be on the hook for all of this. So that, that was my concern yeah, at the time. Yeah. You think it's a loan, yeah. but it's not yeah, a loan. Yeah. It's, it, it felt, it's, it felt like a loan. Um, yeah. It, it's not a loan. It's here's the money and then we're going to make it back. If we don't make it back, that's on us Yeah, because we signed the wrong game. Right. Um, but that, but yeah, but that's, that's, you know, so that's kind of what I was scared of at the time. Um, so, so, and then, and so August rolls around and then realms deep happens and, and I, you know, Col you know, at, th at that point, Cultic being a 3D Realms game was still secret. I had to keep it secret for like the entire summer. It sucked. Um, and then Realms Deep happens, and the trailer for Cultic drops. That's like it's a 3D Realms game. Here's like an actual look at gameplay, and there's a demo available right now because I've been working on that demo map for months. Um, and I and that was that was crunch time. Like I was working my my butt off, like weekends and and very late hours. Um, and then Realms Deep happened, the demo came out and the reception was, was incredible. Like it was, it was so positive and it was like, it was more than more attention than I had ever had on a game ever. Wow. Um, and that was, I think like, I, and I'm sure uh, you, you talked about that moment when you're standing at your, at your retail job, holding this, you know, $20,000 paycheck or whatever. Um, and, and, and thinking like, that's it. I can quit. Right. 
that that was realms deep for me was seeing this giant outpouring of um of support and then like the wish lists and you're just like and you're like holy crap this is real like this is this is a real game that people will buy um and i think at that moment i was like okay i'm gonna quit my job but um but i put in like a month's notice because i worked on like a really small team and i worked with all my friends and so i didn't want to like screw anybody over so i worked for a month at this job which i like the job but it's, it's not game development um and so then then you have a month at this job where it's like in a month i'm going to be a full-time game developer how am i supposed to care about this job at all right now like that's and that and that was really tough um and then september of 2021 i finally went full-time as a game developer and it was it was crazy you know like 30 years well not 30 years because i hadn't been working since i was an infant but you know uh, (laughs) um i guess i guess like 12 years of of eight to five um and and then finally being on my own schedule um and it's crazy just like like how like how freeing that is not and I'm like obviously yes making your own schedule is very freeing assuming you have the discipline to like keep working but just stuff like like scheduling dentist appointments not being like the biggest pain in the butt in the world you know it's just like yeah. like I can come whenever because you know I'm not beholden to this corporation every minute of every day um and I don't know, like stuff like that is just um, was just something you take for granted. Really, is is like like how easy it is to just go grocery shopping and like because you don't, you know, you, somebody else doesn't own eight to five of your life every day. And yeah. that's and that's that was that was an amazing feeling. But um, what did it do to your ego? Um, I have like probably some of the worst anxiety and imposter syndrome that exists on the planet so i would say that like if anything it, it shrank <laughs> because it was like <laughs> now it's now it's real and now i'm facing the threat of like 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 when i actually release cultic and people play it they're gonna hate it like you know w- w- after they've paid they like it because it's a demo and it's free but like once once it's out and people have people have exchanged money for it they're gonna hate it um and so i was terrified for like a year and you know and he, like leading up to the release it was just like i was terrified that it was gonna flop um which didn't happen luckily um but yeah i mean it was just like it, it was a year of of like you know i was still working you know like i wasn't working till one in the morning anymore because instead of working from five to one now i was working from like 9 a.m to like 7 p.m so it was still a lot of hours but it wasn't like sucking my life away anymore which was great um with do the, you um do you feel good when you tell people locally that you make games for a living um, it, it depends on the person, um, because I feel like a lot of the times when you tell somebody, <laughs> and, and I don't mind this at all because I love what I do, but, um, when you, nine times out of 10, when you tell somebody you make games, the response is like, oh, my nephew plays video games <laughs> <laughs> or like, oh my, or like, oh, my son would love to talk to you because he plays Fortnite. And it's, it's just like, always that always, <laughs> which I'm like, and yeah, I've, absolutely. Cause I love talking. I've about actually done that. So, uh, some, um, some lady at our church she uh she called me and she was like my son really wants to learn video games can he come on over and so he came over and we hung out and he just for four hours watched me make i couldn't show him what i was making honestly because it's twisted towers very violent yeah (laughs) it's i was like why don't we make like a bouncy ball game together uh so i i ended up like teaching him that and but that's the response you always get it's always my son has this or it's like hey thomas can we can we get coffee someday i'm like yeah yes why and they're like 
and I'm, I'm hoping they'll be like, can we talk about entrepreneurship or something? But instead it's, I have an app idea. Oh. And I'm like, oh, See, that, no. that, that, one, that one I don't get, luckily. Um, <laughs> that one I don't get. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, 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 and it's, I actually, um, just like a month ago, or it is in November, I, I got to do um, somebody, somebody's kid, uh, their, their high school like requires them to do like a job shadowing thing. And somebody, yeah. um, a friend of a family friend of ours, their son uh, shadowed me just like over Zoom. Um, mm-hmm. But that was really cool. And so, yeah, I did like, I, I, we did like a little bit of 3D modeling for Cultic cool. um, and then a little bit of, um, a little bit of code for Bone Rooms. And it, it was really cool. Um, okay. So the, sorry to interrupt you here, but I, I, can we talk about the technical side? So we, we talked about the scheduling side and like that journey to get your game from start to finish, right? Right. So that we talked about the schedule and the emotional side. Can we talk about the the technical side of what it takes for someone like you to make a game completely alone? Sure. Um, was it was it was it because you were a genius? Did you like? <laughs> I think it. I think you might be because you did the art, the music, the sound design, the code. So get, give me a breakdown of the technical side of how this game was made and give me, give me some context as it pertains to doing it solo because I, could, I swear to you, the audience listening, they, most of them are going to want to make this, their game solo. So they want to figure out, okay, how do I make a game technically and how can I do it all by myself? Yeah, so I mean, the biggest thing is just um, is really having a big appetite for learning, um, which sounds which sounds really corny to say, but it's just like you you have to have that drive to learn if you want to do everything yourself because like because I you know, I didn't go to college for game design, I I didn't go to college for music theory, I can't even read sheet music, um, so like learning how to do music was just like I'm just gonna download the tools and 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 go crazy. Um, and that's kind of the way it was for everything was like, you know, starting with game maker and just downloading sprites off the internet eventually was like, well, I'm not satisfied with using somebody else's sprites, uh, or, or yeah. especially ones that are copyrighted. Um, and so it's like, well, I want to make my own sprites cause I want to make my yep. own game. Um, and so then you learn that and then it's like, well, I don't want to use stock music and I don't want to use music from games that exist. So I'm going to, I need to learn how to make my own. Um, yeah. And it was so crazy because like right before I switched to Unity, I was like really comfortable in Game Maker and I was making some like technically like pretty technically decent games, you know, like they had they had like like okay sprite work and good audio um, and, and were functional and like fun. And so I felt like I was really getting the hang of it. And then I switched to 3D and I felt like like a baby again. It was just like, I, I know. like how, yeah. how do you do anything? Um, it's such a paradigm shift and it's 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 so you feel so naked. Uh, when when the Z axis is added to your life, you feel so naked. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, and it's just, it's just like, it's frustrating going from like you know it's like in Game Maker it was like okay if I if I want to add a new a new weapon to this game I know exactly how to do it like I can lay in bed at night and I can and I can think through all the steps to do it and I and I could get up in the morning and do it, but when you, when you, when you switch to Unity I was just like I don't know how to do anything. Like I, I, I just want to make, I just want to make this character walk forward and I don't know how to do it. And it's so frustrating. I got that feeling, dude, when, when the whole unity debacle happened and we'll yep. talk about that. Yep. I, I got free. I got freaked out. So I downloaded unreal. Yep. Yep. Same. And, and I got a cold sweats and chills yep. when I opened it because I was like, this is a different paradigm. Yeah. I did the exact same thing and we can, I say we'll talk about it later, but yeah, I did the exact same yeah. thing. So let's, let's make sure we come back to that. Cause that'll be a fun yeah, conversation. So, you, so unity, unity was your tool of choice. That's what you ended up landing on. Yep. Even though you started with game maker, do you write the, co- and also really quick, the, the sound design tool. What do you, what do you use? Uh, for, for, uh, I use uh fruity loops, FL studio. 
for music. FL Studio, okay. And, and the alternative is Logic Pro for Mac. That's what I use. Um, and, okay, so we've got Fruity Loops, yep. for those of you who want to make music. Uh, for developers who want to make 2D games, you can start in Game Maker, but you can uh, make 3D games in Unity. Do you code the game? Yes. Yep. Okay. So do you use visual scripting at all, or is it just C sharp from scratch? All C sharp. Um, I don't. I don't. Same, I don't have. Any, I don't have anything against visual scripting, but it always. Right. It always feels limiting to me um, personally because right. I'm like, I know exactly what I want to do, so I just want. I just want to type it out and do it. Yeah, I don't want to mess with like. I don't want to mess with spaghetti. But uh, exactly. and big butt. Um, had visual scripting <laughs> been at the point that it's at right now, when I started with Unity, I probably would have started with it. Um, like if, if I were getting into game dev today, and blue and like Blueprint was an option, that's that might have been where I started. Um, yeah. So, have you ever seen the blueprint maps though? Like, oh yeah. You, like it's zoomed oh, yeah. out. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. That I maybe I'm just an old curmudgeon, but I'm like, that is not how you make a game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it, I, I know like, that's not true. I know it's not true, but that's how I feel. I get frustrated. I because it looks so ugly. I couldn't do it personally because yeah. for me, like in like in Visual Studio, like being able to like to bookmark my common functions and be able to like search and find mm. and find and replace stuff like that is so essential. Um, and so I can't, you know, having to sort through blueprint, um, that, yeah. that scares me. And again, this is, this is nothing against people who use blueprint. It's just like me personally, like code, um, it feels, it feels more powerful. And, and in the case yeah. of unity, I think that's true in, in blueprint, maybe not so much. Um, yeah. but I just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm way more comfortable with C Sharp. And C Sharp's cozy, man. It's a cozy language. Um, Dude, I was just about to say that. Um, me and my brother, my brother's a software engineer, and we hang out a lot, and we talk. We just talk about code and, and development. Uh, we have a glass of, of whiskey and just talk about code. See, I want to do he that. He says, I know, it's great. You need to come over, um, and we can just all hang out and just talk about code. But he says that every time he opens up code, he feels like he's flying into the warmth of a server. He's like, it's like, it's like flying into a black hole of warmth and coziness and you just code. And that's, that's how I feel when I make games. You're in this cozy, it, it's a cozy job. As, as long as you, it's only cozy if, <laughs> if you're organized. Because I've, I've done games where it's a complete wreck, it's a mess, it's a house of cards. And it's not cozy, it's just very stressful. Yeah. But I've gotten to the point now where everything's so precise and clean, um, and the, the the code is all commented, and all my variables have the proper syntax. Uh, yeah, it's I don't. It's a cozy experience. I don't comment anything. <laughs> but you, you don't see this. Is the thing though, how are your variables named intuitively? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they super descriptive? Uh, they certainly can be. Yeah, and, <laughs> and uh, if there's one, like if I'm using an integer to describe like a state system because I was too lazy to use an enumerator, then I like make a big code block so I get a summary of yeah. uh, of what each value does. But um, yeah, like Coltic's getting to the point where it's starting to not be cozy to code because I started working. On, it's when you go full time on a game, it's crazy how much faster you learn than if you're doing it hobby like it's like it's like an exponential yeah. curve of learning and so it's like like every month at least early on it was like every month that i would work on cultic you could look back and it was like the modeling got so much better and the mapping got so much better because it was like this was my first time doing mapping it was my first yeah. time doing modeling to that scale it was my first time doing um like interconnected level design it was my first time doing 
menus, like a menu system in a game, you know? And so it's like, you're learning all this for the first time. And then a month later, you're like, I can't believe I did it like that a month ago. Well, like, what was I thinking? Let's hope, Jason, that that doesn't change because looking back on your project a month later, you should be able to see issues because you should have grown in the last month, you know? And for me, I'm on my third commercial release and nothing's changed. Like I've been doing this full-time thing for seven years mm -hmm. and I, I never love my work. And now I can't say my work because I work with a team and everybody's doing something, but the team even will all say together like, dude, isn't this game so much better than it was a month ago? Or was it, isn't it so much better than it was a year ago? And it's frustrating because you want to go back and fix stuff. Yeah. But you can't. And you, and you, you can't because it's like, it's almost, it's almost immoral. It's like, it's like a, one of the 10 commandments of game development, which is like, don't go back and fix everything because you're going to, you're going to, the, the temptation will be so strong to do that. Did you do that with Cultic? Did you go back and fix everything? Um, I f there was a period of time where I fixed the stuff that needed to be fixed. Like, um, I don't know if you remember the original Realms Deep demo and then the Next Fest demo of 22. I completely redid the oh, demo wow. map from the first uh, time around because like, like the, the original demo for Cultic was basically the first map that I had ever made more or less um, because all wow. the, all the games I had worked on before were either like single scene like arcadey kind of things or they were more like procedural generated so I was working on small set pieces and then using yeah. like a generator so that was my first experience with like long form level design and so when I started on my second map I, it was it was already so many leagues better than the first one that I would it like you could it was like you would jump to a different game um yeah. and so I went back and fixed the, and, and redid the first map completely because it, it needed redone. Um, yeah. And then the art went through a, a complete overhaul around Next Fest as well. Because well, let's talk about. Go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say because originally I was using placeholder stuff. Basically, like this lever action model was from a different project, and my little cultist model was from a different project. Um, yeah. And so as I started to make new assets for Cultic, they didn't match up with my old ones because my old ones were from a year or two ago. Um, and so for next fest, I did a complete overhaul of the art, but at next fest, that was like my new, that was my new benchmark or that was my new, like guideline for the art. It was like, this is how I'm going to do it moving forward. And so after that, I did, I didn't do much going back and replacing stuff. Well, what was the, what was your art tool of choice? Um, to, for some context here, Cultic is a combination of 2d sprites and 3d, correct? Uh, right. So the art, the art process is kind of like a, a bucket of butts. Cause it's, um, it's like, um, it's, so everything in the game is, is 3d modeled, uh, originally. So like the, even though the first person, uh, weapons like in like doom or, or Duke 3d or whatever are, are sprites, they are fully modeled. Um, and I model them in blender and then I set up a camera rig, which exports that or renders them down to a 2d image. And wow. then, and then I take the 2D image into Photoshop and I clean it up. Um, I you know brush out like weird 3D artifacts or like clipping, um, and then adjust like the highlights and the shadows and brush on a bit of extra shading. Um, and then uh, it gets sent to uh, a sprite, which is my spriting tool. It's A S E P R I T E a sprite, right. um, and that's where I would apply the color palette, um, sequence the animations, and then do the final touch-ups. And since gotcha. Cultic's color palette is so limited, so much of like, like if I, if I applied the color palette and it looked 
like crap, then I would just, I would go back to Photoshop and, and do more texture work. Um, and yeah. so the textures are very heavily tailored so that when it gets, um, cause the color palette is so limited that in order to make everything pop, your highlights and your shadows have to be really distinct. Um, and a lot of times you're using uh, hue instead of um, brightness to create, um, like to create contrast because the color palette's so limited. And so a lot of that, so like if you go and look at the original renders, they're like, they're, they're painted all over. Like there's all this, all this markup all over them. Um, (laughs) So yeah, it it was, it was quite a process. Okay. Um, And you're doing all this artwork from scratch. You're not using assets. Right. Um, Okay. What, What about your 3D models? Are you ever tempted to go grab you know, some kind of mesh from Turbo Squid or something, low poly mesh, and then repaint it? Um, it's been really tempting with um, with cars um, because for chapter two, uh, since it takes place partially in the city, I need to have a lot of city props. And it's like, because, of, because it's getting voxelized and because the texture color count is so low, whether I perfectly model a car or whether I go get a perfectly modeled car, it's going to look the same in the end. Um, yeah. But cars are one of my biggest my one of my weakest points as an artist like i just can't draw them um and so i was like no i'm gonna i'm gonna model them um that's just, that's the way to do it i think the only <laughs> i, I want to say the only asset in game that i used is the statue in the cemetery in the fountain um is is something that i got off of some free asset that's the, one of the other reasons i don't use assets if I can avoid it is because I'm so terrified of somebody coming back and claiming copyright on it. Like I'm like, I, yeah. I, I found it on a website that said it was free, but then it turns out no, that yeah. website we stole it. And it's just like, right. Oh man, we use a lot of assets at, at our team. Um, and we, but we buy them all. So what was like um, the, um, well, there was like, a, I, I could be getting this wrong, but if I remember correctly, a long time ago, seven days to die used a zombie model in their game that they got off of an asset site but it was stolen from Killing Floor. It was just the clot zombie oh, from Killing Floor, and so oh, no. and so they're like they're like showing off footage with this enemy that to anybody who's played Killing Floor, it's like that's from Killing Floor. Uh, oh, that's no. that's the version I heard. It could have been that they yeah. they just used it and they knew it was stolen. But I I mean I doubt that they would do that. I could be wrong. Anyway, yeah. but I, but that that's like one of those things that I was like I don't want that to happen to me. Like I don't want to. So you you're a you are a timid game developer. You don't quit. You don't quit your job. You wait until you get a ton of wish lists before you quit your job, and you do everything from scratch because you you want to make sure that you're doing it legally. But also, it clearly paid off because the game has a, a such a cohesive style. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing is that like this like the style because like because things are getting voxelized, they have to be modeled a certain way so that. Cer- what does that mean, voxelized? Uh, so there's meshes in Coltic that are made up of that are like voxely, so they have like big chunky pixels on them uh-huh. rather than being a true 3D mesh, because that's kind of how that like in in build engine games like Blood and Shadow Warrior, that was kind of an early way of showing 3D models um, that oh, were wow. that that were too complex for like the map editor or that just needed to have more intricacy to them or needed to be able to rotate or whatever. Um, and so I kind of wanted to emulate that a bit. And so there's this, this kind of flimsy unspoken design process behind Colt six visuals where for 3d meshes in the game, if you could feasibly make the mesh in a map editor, 
um, like hammer or build or whatever, then it stays a 3D mesh. So things like trees or large boulders or, you know, things that are big and, and blocky, those stay as 3D meshes. But for something that is like too complex, like a car or a bulldozer or, you know, like a barrel that needs to be thrown around, those are in, those get voxelized. Um, so they get turned from a nice 3D mesh into a very crunchy, crusty, voxely model. Gotcha. Which which like quadruples the triangle count too, uh, which is great. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say. So what's kind of funny is that Coltic actually has reverse LODs in it um, because really. Yeah. So like like the cars are a great example. So the voxel model for the car. Yeah, it's got it's got like eleven thousand triangles on it because every voxel <laughs> is a cube that has at least two triangles on each side, and so when you have this yeah. huge model, it's a ton of triangles. But the original mesh is super low poly, so the original mesh is like maybe a thousand or two, and then so this is this is like a stylistic decision, yeah, at the expense of the the GPU. Yeah, there's a, and there's actually there's a lot of those in the game, um, like the fact that <laughs> I really wanted lights to be destructible, and so oh and animated yep. and so nearly every single actually every single light source in cultic is dynamic there's no baked lights are you serious see we're going through that right now with twisted tower i can't figure out what like the industry standard is so yeah uh, we've got like we've got like maybe <laughs> this is terrible but like 300 real-time lights I've seen. <laughs> yep yeah like i think um i think interlude that one map the interlude map has like 86 or 90 dynamic lights in it um, and, yeah. and, and almost all of them can be destroyed um, and a lot of them are animated like lights that flicker or pulse or whatever yeah, um, yeah. How, how's that affecting performance on um, like on, on frame rate on big well like so when I first when I first so I do optimization last generally um, I like yeah, I, same I, here. so like when interlude was first done like when the map was done and you could play it all the way through in the Unity editor, which has a ton of overhead, so it usually kills the frame rate. Um, it was I was getting like forty frames per second at worst, which is which is which is playable but bad. Um, yeah. And then I got it to the point where at the worst spot in the map, it was running at eighty frames per second in the editor for me, which is like Coltex maps. Really? Are, Coltex maps are fully simulated, so like every enemy is all active at once, unless they're like a trap enemy that spawns later. So like. So Interlude has like, I think like maybe wow. 80 enemies in it. So there's like 80 enemies that are all standing around, like looking for the player. They've got their pathfinding on standby. Like at all, like everything the map is simulated at all times because so many of the maps in Cultic are super wide open where like you could, you know, you could flub a shot and hit an enemy on the other side of the map. And then he's going to, he's going to follow you for all the way across the map and come attack you. Um, and so, and that's actually kind of a frustrating thing that, um, People get people are kind of spoiled with performance uh, sometimes, especially when you have like you know games like like I say like Doom Eternal, like things that are on like ID Tech that just like run way better than they have any right to, um, because they're made by awesome teams with tons <laughs> of money, um, and yeah. and then people people are like oh well I can run I can run Doom Eternal at 120 frames per second, but Coltic only runs 80. I'm like yeah well if you you know give me give me ID's staff and their money and I'm sure we'll get it running great for yep. you, um, yep. but I think but people also they see Coltic looking the way that it looks and they assume that it should run um it, sh it should run like doom like the original doom or like a build engine game like yeah. well i could run doom on my you know on, on my on my calculator so why can't i run cult i'm like well doom doesn't have a physics engine it doesn't have real-time shadowing it doesn't have real-time lighting it doesn't have yeah. you know all you know it's just and it's just like I think it's a big misunderstanding right and i think we forget how just how bad retro games like old old school 90s games were 
Um, like uh, clearly they're amazing games, right? Yeah. So I'm not I'm not going to be blasphemous here, but <laughs> I you know me and my brother will will pull out the Super Nintendo and we'll we'll try and play some of the games, and it's like plenty of nostalgia, plenty of respect, but man. Oh yeah, you want to talk the, about those? You, those games were limited, man. You want to talk about Doom? Like, like oh yeah, it runs it. Oh, where is it? Here it is. You can't see this because I'm recording right now. But yeah. you, you want to talk about how Doom always ran amazingly? I'm holding up my red Super Nintendo Doom cartridge to the camera. Nice. <laughs> Doom Doom did not always run amazingly. Um, yeah. But it's just like yeah. I mean, so the, and and part of that's also because um, part of the dynamic lighting thing is just because like I hate I hate baking lights. <laughs> it's terrible. It's horrible, and it. And I don't know if you're using and and yeah, this is a great segue to the next conversation that I want to have is which is all about mistakes that you've made um, being a solo game developer. But one of the big mistakes I've made is is not fully understanding baking until the end of the project mm-hmm. um, because we we went through weeks weeks of being confused. Mm-hmm. Like, where did my metallics go? Where did my specular go? We'd bake and the, the metallic and the specular is completely gone. So what are what are some, this is sort of, this question I'd love to just sort of tailor for my audience. What, for the, the people listening who want to be solo game developers, let's, can we, can we try and think of maybe like four or five mistakes that you've made as a solo game developer and how you can avoid them? Uh, mistake. And why why they're mistakes? Why are they so problematic? Mistake number one, uh, being a solo game developer. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so <laughs> it, it's like um, the so the I would say the number one mistake, and this isn't this just like a solo game dev thing, but this is just like a starting out thing. And this is any any time anybody asks me for like advice for game devs, it's this one is like never ever 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 go into game dev thinking that you're gonna make your dream game first. No, you're making Pong first. That's what you do. Like you start small. Um and that's it's so important, especially when you get into um because so start small turns into like controlling scope. Um so maybe you can I don't know which one you want to call it. We'll say controlling scope, right? Yeah. Um and that's it's actually real that's actually really uh really timely because I just today released an update for Cultic that uh adds uh, ability mode into the game and abilities uh, like kind of like supernatural bioshocky abilities were something that were in cultic way like in the first year of development um just yep. because i was like this would be a fun thing to make um and then you realize really quickly that a like it didn't fit the game at all like it, it was a really yeah. bad fit for the pacing but the bigger thing was like adding that kind of complexity into the game now means that I have to like, I have to tutorialize this for the player because the system is deep enough. It needs tutorialization. I have to justify it, which means like trying to, it's, it's like, um, like it, it, you, I assume you've played Bioshock one, right? The first one. First. Oh Bioshock. yeah. I mean, Twisted Tower, our game right, Twisted Tower right. is basically the same thing. Yeah. So like <laughs> that, that, it would be like if, if they gave you your first E or your first plasmid without like the cutscene of your guy, like injecting it into yeah. himself and go like, yeah. you have to kind of explain why you have these powers. Um, and that, and that's not something I wanted to do in Cultic because Cultic's kind of got that like dark souls, hands off storytelling a bit to it. Um, and so it was just like, the more I looked into it, it was like, this is going to blow my scope up. Cause now I also have to design combat scenarios around the player having these powers. And it was yep. just like, it took what was a really clean and simple gameplay loop and blew it out of scope. Um, and yep. so that's, I would say, uh, sorry, I almost did that thing where I got off the interstate. Um, so yeah, <laughs> no, my number one big thing, start small and don't, yep. and don't blow your scope out of proportion. Um, because so like, I would say the second most 
common thing I hear besides, uh, oh, my nephew likes video games when I tell somebody I'm a game developer, is somebody who's like, oh, man, I've always wanted to make my own Halo or whatever. And it's like... Open world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, no. I totally agree. In fact, I, I say, and then we can move on to the second one, but what I say is don't even... Start small. Start as a turd. Like, release your first crappy game as fast as you can so that you know what it feels like to release a game. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you did that, but I, I released like four crappy games before I actually did like a good game that actually made money. Coltic's my first commercial release. So uh, no, I, I'd, I'd never even finished a game before Coltic. <laughs> so no, I would say I, awesome, I didn't man. make it that far. That's awesome. That's, that's a, that's a anomaly. That's amazing. I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of other, other game dev mistakes. And if, if you have suggestions that we can talk about, I would, I guess um, another one would be like, um, and I guess this kind of goes hand in hand with starting small, but um, play it like you have to play to your strengths. Um, yeah. Like one, and this uh, uh, this this is really nebulous. It has overlap with point one. I apologize for that. But um, originally, Coltic had a lot more like story telling and narration and like characters and voice acting. Um, and and I got into it and I started look and like once I started working on the game and I started like considering how I was going to develop those things. It was like. I don't know how to do any of that. I don't know how to write. Yep. I'm not a voice actor. I can't write jokes. Like I don't. I don't know how to hire voice <laughs> actors. Like that's going to be a mess. And so I cut all yeah. of that right away because I was like, yeah. I can't do any of this. Um, so you played to your strengths with with the art, the music, yeah, and the gameplay. Yeah, and I was, and you know, the, I mean, the art style is is you know one of my favorite parts of Cultic, but it is a crutch. You know, like like a big part of working. One hundred percent. A big part, and and it's the same reason why like PS One aesthetic games um, are are surging is because like you can you you can get your point across without having to spend hours and hours and hours on on art assets um which is great yeah. i and i and i mean like i i i don't fault it at all cuz that's basically coltic's just like a more refined ps1 core really you know it's it's using yeah. it's i i'm rendering my crappy 3d models down to 180 pixels so you can't see how bad they are <laughs> and that's yeah. and that and that's and i was able to make a game work around that which was which was which was great uh, but it is right. a crutch it really is well, it's it's the the hook of your game is the the style and the aesthetic. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, I would. It's definitely part of it. Okay, that that's definitely that brings, the like that's like the that's like the thing that gets you to stop and look at it on your timeline. That's right. That's right. And actually, um, Justin at Three D Realms, um, he was talking to me about that. Is is just how important that stop that that. I call I call it the stop and stare factor, mm -hmm. the thing that about your game that makes people stop and actually pay attention, and so that for me is the third mistake. If I could throw in one of my mistakes, yeah, please do, which is, please do, uh, which is um, it's probably a good idea. This sounds really corporate and commercial and monopolistic, but I'm just gonna go for it. I feel like game developers would be so much happier if they would just test their ideas first on social media before going for it and really finishing the game out because some ideas are trash and you shouldn't even make the game and sometimes you just need you need a, an audience or or a hundred followers to say hey you know this isn't really that interesting you know and it it seems like that's what you did like yeah you signed with 3d realms but until you got the feedback you needed to know that the game actually had sort of viral potential you weren't fully <laughs> You weren't fully two feet, both feet stepping into the project, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, 
if you're wanting to make a career out of game development, like if you want game development to pay all of your bills, then then yes, like commercial appeal is, is very important because like you can go like you can go you can pause this video right now and go to Steam and look at the new releases uh, and and see how many games that were released in the last day alone, and it's like you're competing with all of those. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to game development as an art form, um, which is more of what I view it as, and that's a little hypocritical because yes, it is my job and I am making money off of it, yeah. but I am very much a passion first developer, which is why like, right. which is why I'm working on bone rooms. Like bone rooms just sounded like a fun game to work on. So I'm working on it. Um, and so if you're, if you're making a game because it's, it's, it's an idea that seems really cool to you, like other people will think it's cool too. Um, but yes, like if you, if you're getting near the release of your game, and and you haven't managed to crack a hundred, you know, like a hundred wish lists, um, it 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 might be tough for you to make a commercial success out of that. And so part of that, I guess, is determining what your what your goal is. Like, if your goal is to release your game and make a ton of money and 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 have that pay your bills, then yeah, you know, a, a bit of the corporate, like you said, like yeah. the, the soulless corporate side of it, a bit of that's required because the because the industry yeah. sucks. Um, it it really <laughs> it really sucks. It's very competitive. It's very and dude, AI is going to completely flood Steam. Oh, it's going to be bad. It is going to be. So, I'm getting chills of terror right now. It is going to be so bad. We're going to get zombie games like you wouldn't believe. But what I mean by <laughs> zombie games is like they're just like they're dead games that look pretty because they have AI art yeah. and cool AI front covers and cool AI trailers. But then when you crack it open and play it. It's what was that game that just released that it looked days, cool on paper? Days gone. Yeah. Day days yeah. day, day before days no day before the day before. We're the day before. We're gonna get a bunch of those games. Yeah. That look cool on paper but are trash, and because of that, that's that's why I bring up the the you might want to be a little bit more commercial focused. The reason I say that is I'm trying to save, I'm trying to save the listeners' sanity. <laughs> because I I want people to, like okay just because this is me plays playing devil's advocate to you who you see more of a purist than me <laughs> I'm not as much I'm not as pure um, and the reason why I'm not is because just because you're testing an idea with the audience doesn't mean the idea wasn't yours and it wasn't something you're passionate about right right so like I can have five ideas that I'm all passionate about. And I do. I've got five different game ideas for our next game. I'm passionate yeah. about every single one, but I'm only going to pick the one <clears throat> that seems to be performing well on social media. Yeah. And, I mean, and, you know what I mean? I'm going to apologize. Um, uh, when you watch the video, I was just looking at my other monitor because I was trying to find... Um, I was trying to That's find okay. a, a developer on Twitter because there's a really interesting point about this. Um, I can't remember... I can't remember the developer's name. They're working on a horror game. Um, but they have started... Uh, from their their dev account, they've started tweeting these just like funny C sharp memes, um, just like just like joke. Like they did one um, yesterday that was like joking about uh, C sharp adding an ifint statement, like ifnt, which is like the opposite of an if. And, yeah. and and they get they get huge traction because they're just funny C sharp memes. Yeah. Um, and 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 this 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 devs like quadrupled their following in like a month just from these funny memes. Right. And they made a right. post today that was talking about how some people. Um, are I have like really frowned upon them using memes to build a following, and it was just a really no. interesting segue because it's like um, I don't personally build my following using um, using memes and whatnot because um, I feel like that's just like not what my Twitter's about. 
but my most successful tweets have all been memes. You know, it's like I, I, <laughs> I, I, I like I like just today I released I, I I tweeted about um about this ability mode update, which is something I worked hard on and I'm really proud of it and I think it looks cool and it maybe it got like maybe 200 likes and then sometimes I'll tweet you know I tweet I tweet like a meme just like something goofy yeah. and it gets like 15,000 and I'm just like okay like well, it's so frustrating. Um, but and to 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 your point, which is you said, um, focus on what you're passionate about. Um, I don't think you and I disagree, you know, because, um, I do think you should do what you're passionate about, but I think you should test that, uh, people are, are willing to purchase your passionate idea. If people are willing to purchase it, then, um, and that's probably where you, you disagree with me, but if people are willing to purchase it, you'll be, you can be sane while you make your game. You can think, well, at least there's people at, who are going to be waiting to buy this game and at least i'm going to make some money so that i can make another game and so that i don't have to be worried and afraid that i'm not going to be able to pay my bills or have to go work a, a crappy job that i hate yeah and so like i said i think they're they're oh, being being flex being flexible with your being flexible with your uh uh your view of how how uh, how much artistic integrity you should have i think goes a long way it it helps you be a game developer for 20 years because it's 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 um it's sort of seeded and interrupted with moments of freedom because you have money yeah and and you don't have to worry and be stressed you know what i mean yeah it, it just depends on your end goal um you know like yeah, at, at, sure, at this sure. at this point um like at this point in my life a game dev is my job so i have to be successful in order to keep paying my bills and so now yeah. i'm like i'm i'm a little more open to dipping my toes into uh ways to just like try to build a following like maybe doing like a bit of a a bit of you know of, of a meme here and there just to try to like break out of my game dev circle but two you know three four years ago when being a full-time game dev wasn't even on my radar um i i wouldn't have thought of it because i'm like no like my twitter is only about game dev it's about my games and my progress on them um and so it just depends on your goals you know um yep. and one of the reasons that like um, like, like if I had been 80% of the way through developing Cultic and, and I had like no followers on Twitter and, you know, no publisher, I still would have seen it through because like, I'm just, I'm all about getting an idea on paper and getting it out there if I'm sure of it, you know? And, and that's one yeah. of the reasons why I do solo development is because I don't, I don't like being told no on an idea. Like I, like if it's going to fail, I want to see it fail. Like I, I want, I want to, I want to try it. <laughs> And I want to learn yeah. why it doesn't work. I don't want to have somebody else tell me, no, we're not going to do that. Um, right. And I do, and I do have ideas that I try and they suck and they're terrible. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm never doing that again. Um, yep. Like, uh, like, like when Coltic's title used to have a subtitle and I was like, oh, this is a cool subtitle. And people were like, no, it sucks. Go back to your old title. And I was like, okay, yeah, you're oh, right. Oh man, I don't like subtitle games. <laughs> they, I, I don't know why people do them. Um, what's, what's the logic behind that? I'm curious. Um, I guess for me, it was because like, um, like my game has no identity. Like it's not, I, I'm not Resident Evil. You can't just say Resident Evil and know what, you know, you, you can't say cult oh, at the time you couldn't say cultic and know what my game is about. Um, it could be about anything, but like if you include a subtitle, you can kind of flavor it, you know, to be like, I see. so, you know, it would be, you know, I don't know. It'd be like, um, I'm, I'm struggling to think of an example, so I'm not going to try, but like, you know, it was, it was a way to add more identity to the game. So you could look yeah. at the title and be like, Oh, this is going to be like kind of a, like a like a like a, a horror themed game, um, but people people hated it, and so I was like, okay, 
so then so then I showed off uh, the grenade launcher when I first added it to the game, and I showed it off by blowing up the subtitle uh, with it. It was, <laughs> it was a really fun tweet. I love that. Cool. Okay. So any other any other mistakes you can think of as a solo developer that you wish you 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 had known at the time? Production schedule, anything you could think of here? It's totally um, fine. If not, we can move on to the next the next topic. Yeah, but. I'm sure I'm sure there are. Um, I'm just like I struggle to think of any because Coltic. I got really lucky. I got really really lucky with Coltic. I I was making it at a time where boomer shooters were hot. If I had tried to make yep. if I had tried to make Coltic two years from now or like six years ago, it probably would it wouldn't have had a blip on the radar. I got a lot yeah. of it was luck, you know, like I got I got a following um, because some tweets of mine happened to blow up a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I 3D Realms picked me up because they happened to see, you know, my tweets. You know, it's just like I, I am not at all. I, I like I will never deny the fact that a big chunk of Coltic success was luck. And, I, and unfortunately, I think that's a big chunk of of game dev in general like some you know sometimes the difference between your game succeeding and not is a, is a youtuber playing it you know it's uh yeah. it in and, and uh and i mean like heck even like i like think i think among us is a great example of that where it was this really and, and it might have taken off on its own um but like to my understanding it was kind of a kind of like a, a not very well known at all game until it got you know it got the right people playing it and then it and then it just exploded um, right. And there's probably right. a lot of other examples of that, but that's just the one that comes to mind. But um, like I said, I mean, there's so like you go look at the Steam new releases today. Um, after you sort through the six or seven uh, porn games that are there, um, <laughs> look how many games came out today. And it's like you're and you're competing for you're competing for people's money with like all yeah. of these games. And and so I think there is a good chunk of luck with it. And had Coltic not have had that. And I had to earn my following more honestly, we'll say, you know, like through through good old fashioned hard work. Um, I think there would probably be a lot more mistakes to speak of because it would have been a much more right. painful process. Well, what about what about schedule and and like your relationship with your wife? Like, is there anything if if is in, you don't have to answer? It's just I have I have my own uh, <laughs> stories to tell about how game development seeps into my brain and stays there. And um, I can't get I can't get it out in the evening. Um, I can't I can't stop being obsessed with a certain idea. Well, so I is guess that is that an issue you've had in the past. I guess luckily for me, um, uh, my would have been girlfriend at the time. Um, she she works uh, she worked as as like a CPA uh, and at at like a very small tax firm that was constantly swamped. And so I mean, like from like October to the end of tax season, she, I just never saw her. And so I, I had tons of time to work on my game. It was great. <laughs> um, and so we, you know, we didn't struggle that much with it then. Um, yeah. and, and it honestly wasn't until like this last summer that we kind of, that she moved away from that position and we've yeah. actually had a little more free time. Um, and so right. for us, it wasn't a problem because she was so busy that me working until, you know, midnight didn't really matter. Um, right. I would say the bigger thing with scheduling was, um, once I moved to full time and I wasn't working an eight to five, making another company a bunch of money anymore, um, it was it was tough to make myself get up at eight in the morning and go to my desk um, because it's just like I don't have to. Um, yeah. And I and I really found myself falling into this trap where it was like, like I don't really want to work today, and I would just be like, well, if I just take one day off, it's not you know it's not going to hurt the project. But if you do that like you know eighty times, <laughs> then then you set your game back by two months. Um, yeah. and so there was kind of the strut, you know, and so it turned into 
because as as a creative and i'm sure you get this like if you if you don't have the drive to work on something creative and you make yourself do it 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 harms the product um, at least oh, at, yeah. at least in my experience like like me if, like me bashing my head against a wall with level design makes terrible levels um and so for mm -hmm. me it's much better mm -hmm. to like switch to music or take a day off like if i wake up in the morning and i'm like i have no brain juices like i can't um then it then i'm i'm just not going to work because the because if I force myself to do level design when I am feeling creatively burned out, then the next day I'm just going to come back and redo it all because it's because you can feel it like you can feel it's uninspired, um, at least in my case, because I hate level design. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that was a big part of it was just like like finding like you have to be you have to be you have to keep yourself working. You have to be self-motivated because like you're working, you're like kind of watching your funds trickle away and because uh, you're not getting a paycheck <laughs> anymore and. Um, and so, yeah, like it's, um, you really have to find out how, how much of like a self-starter and a hard worker you are when like your financial future now depends solely on like you and the work that you do. Right. Well, how, how did you find that? Is that who you are naturally? Were you raised to be that way? Just a self-starter motivated uh, doesn't take no for an answer just because you're burnt out doesn't mean you quit. Yeah. You kind of have to be, to be a solo dev who does literally everything. Like, you know, to, if you, like to be somebody who learns how to do art and animation and code and, you know, and music and marketing and audio design and videos yeah. editing, like you have to, you have to be motivated to learn how to do all those things. And so I think so some of that, that self-starter is, is, is a requirement because like, oh, how else are you going to learn those skills if you don't, if you don't take the time to, to learn? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like that's, it, it is a part of who I am. I'm a, a, you know, a bit of a perfectionist and, um, and, and, and a, a, a bona fide OCD struggler. So it's like, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it, it can really suck, but, um, so, so is, is that, is, is there a, is there a certain type of person that is best for being a, a solo game developer? Um, probably can, can, can anybody do it? <laughs> Can anybody do it? No, I don't think so. Um, I just like, I because I think there's some people that are more built to be really, really, really good at one thing. Like they're like, oh my god, I follow I follow devs on on Twitter who are like primarily programmers, and the stuff that they can do blows my mind. Because I am not, I, I'm I'm like a, eh, I'm like a C, I'm I'm like a like a C minus programmer. Yeah. Uh, Same here. <laughs> so I'm just like I, I can I can code stuff that works, but like. I can't do shader code, dude. Like I can't no. And then like I see people coding these absolutely crazy visual effects and like these insane AI systems. Um, the cool AI, not the not the not the game industry ruining AI. <laughs> and, I, and I'm just like I can't even begin to imagine where to start with that. Um, and 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 so like, and so I I think that for somebody who wants to be like somebody who wants to be a solo dev, I think in a way has to. And this this is actually one of the other big pieces of advice I like to give is that. As a solo dev, you have to pick your battles, and and picking your battles sometimes means knowing that you won't be the best at at everything. Um, it's really a jack of all trades kind of job where you have to like. I I think that I I am passable at all the things that I do, um, and and I and I know that like you know like there's 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 programmers at 3D realms that put me to shame, and there or I guess at Slipgate, um, and then there's artists at, at you know like the artists that do like the the work for graven and, and phantom fury that just that put me to shame and i'm just like like i can't do what they do um and so and so that's fine that's like i'm happy being a solo developer and knowing that i'm not 
a triple a level artist i'm not a triple a level coder um but that's kind of scary thinking that if if solo dev didn't work out i couldn't go get a job at a game studio because i'm not that good at any of the things that i do um dude that's a scary thought i don't think i could either i like i i mean like maybe i could maybe a leadership position yeah like maybe i could maybe i could be like a producer and like help Mm -hmm. like with communication and like pulling a project together but i can't be a lead coder for a game are you crazy like i'm I'm just i'm not that good i'd be like let's see let's see if we can find a tutorial for this uh, system on youtube you know i think jason i think you're underselling yourself i think you'd make an incredible art director um i really because an art director i think his primary job is to to consolidate all the resources into a single vision and ensure that that vision is cohesive yeah i maybe (laughs) and that's that cultic has such a strong flavor it's it's a very unique i like to think of games as food for some reason it's Mm -hmm. a very unique dish and flavor i Um, i always call cultic horror flavored that's my my favorite describer for it because it's not it's not it's not a straight up horror game it's horror flavored Mm -hmm. so 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 one of these uh these tips here that you mentioned for solo developers is you need to be okay with being a generalist yeah Is, is that what you're saying yeah and not be a perfectionist about oh i saw this coder or i saw this developer on twitter or instagram i'm not like them so I need to scramble and figure out how to be just like them. Yeah, unless I mean the difference being like I think there's a there's like a distinction between a solo dev and a one man army um, mm-hmm. or the, or the one ma um, is that like like you can be like I guess the the example I would use would be like um, uh, D Nider uh, the guy who made Phasmophobia I think guy I don't want to make they the person who made Phasmophobia right. um, almost everything in Phasmophobia when it launched to my knowledge was an asset but what what they brought to the table was like a phenomenal idea and a phenomenal gameplay loop and so like this this person designed a great game and that was their strength yeah. but they didn't do all of the code i don't think they didn't do like any of the any of the models you know or any of that stuff but you know like so and I'm not I'm not speaking for them. I don't know them personally. I've never listened to like them talk or anything, but I oh, I'm just like think looking at it as an outsider. Like the thing that they wanted to bring to the table was this awesome gameplay idea. Um right, and, and, right. and they did. And so by that same token, someone can be a phenomenal programmer who is okay with paying an artist or, you know, like or buying or, or using like an asset pack, but their like their code and gameplay ideas are great. And so mm-hmm. If you want to be a one-man army and you want to be a complete control freak and do everything yourself, uh, like I do, then then yes, like being a generalist is is like you have to be okay with the fact that like um, you're kind of just making stuff for you. Uh, like I, I I couldn't write music for uh, like like Tempest Rising, for example, because like I the, the style of music that that game uses isn't I can't write like that. It's just not it's not a genre I'm familiar yep. with. Um like yep. like metal. I'm I'm not I I don't really like metal music that much. I'm not a metalhead. And so I couldn't write metal music. And so for a game that needs metal music, I I'm not I'm not your guy. I <laughs> I just can't do it. Right. Um and so there and so there's big gaps in my skill set and I'm okay with that. Like I can't write shader code. Um and that's fine because there's shaders in Unity already. <laughs> and and like and <laughs> I feel like, the same way. And like, and like I don't know how to do it either. And, and like I'm just now teaching myself about like PB like physically based rent PBR modeling. And so like I'm just now learning about metallics and and yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and and specular maps and uh, and it's For really bone rooms. Yeah, yeah, and it's really fun. Like it's so cool. Oh, to, isn't it great? It's, yeah, I love it. It's so cool to like 
yeah. to take like a base color texture and then you slap on your metallic layer and your normals and then you put it in engine and you're like oh my god yeah. it looks like a real thing that's so cool the, the the craziest the craziest aspect of materials is for me or the the most effective is the smoothness map um yeah i'm not sure if you've gotten into that yet yeah. and you're learning oh yeah Oh yeah, I've I've been I've been re reworking all the textures in Twisted Tower and throwing on these grimy smoothness maps. Yeah, so everything looks scratched. Yeah, and, and like the 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 poly is peeling off of the paint and stuff. Yeah. It's just so cool. I've got it's so so effective. I've got so many grungy Photoshop brushes now that I've just been picking up for this for for doing nice. these these textures. Um, but yeah, no, but I mean, like if you're okay with um. Like, I mean, if you're okay with making a game with programmer art, but like your, like your code and your gameplay is, is top notch, then like, that's where you, that's where you get into your side of it, where you talk about, um, like discoverability and marketability, um, is like, you might, yeah. you might be sacrificing marketability, um, if you're just like, I'm just going to use programmer. And so, it, so that's where it comes down to like, is this, is this passion? You know, is this just a passion project that you want to get out there, or do you, or are you like, do you want this to blow up and become a job? Um, right. And so it's so it's all about like picking your battles. I think um, at, at yep. least as a small team or a solo developer, and and, yep. and Cultic's a lot like that. Like um, a lot of the environments in Cultic, if you look around, are, are like are like pretty empty as far as like like small details and decorations goes. And it's less like I I could spend like a week modeling you know, 40 different tiny props to put into this one room. Um, but it's not going to be something that people write about in magazines. It's not going to be like, oh my God, Coltic has industry leading environment design. And it's a room that people are going to be in for four seconds. They're going to shoot a guy in the head. They're going <laughs> to grab some bullets and they're going to leave. And it's so like, no, yeah. I'm going to put a desk here. I'm going to put a door there. I'm going to put a chair here. And then and I'm done. And I'm moving on because, because that's <laughs> like, I, I'm not, no one's going to, no one's going to leave reviews about Cultic and talk about the environment design because that's again playing to my strengths. That's not why I'm here. I'm not. Yep. I'm not that good of an environment artist, and so I'm here for the gameplay and I'm here for like the art style and and the, you know the rest of the stuff. I just have to let go because it's like yeah. it's not it's not something that's going to be achievable for me. Yeah. Well, let's let's uh this this brings me to. I want to kind of talk about Unreal and Unity. Okay. Um, un with Unreal you can actually become that guy who has photorealistic graphics. Um, you can be that, that person who can create this beautiful forest with Quixel mega scans and volumetric lighting. Um, it's a lot easier in Unreal. Um, whereas Unity, it's not as, as easy. And sometimes it's like, it feels like clunky and, and it feels out of date. So I'm curious if you'd be willing to talk about why you choose to use Unity, and are you still using Unity for Bone Rooms? Yeah, your next game. Mm -hmm. So, so after that whole debacle about the pricing structure, are you willing to discuss why you still want to use Unity? Yeah. Um, so let's go back to your first thing you said about like you know in in Unreal you can make you make this you know these beautiful environments. Um, you can if you have all of those assets to do it. Um, and this is actually a really funny thing because I, um, oftentimes you'll see, and we're going to see a lot of it, like you said, with the AI advent yeah. on Steam, but um, make having a game in Unreal where you, you, know, you went to the Unreal Marketplace and you got this beautiful mega scan pack for a forest. Um, and you're like, okay, I'm going to make a spooky, I'm going to make a spooky forest body cam horror game. And it's like, okay, cool. You have the forest. 
What what are you going to do for your creature? Are you going to do you have a creature that's also a Quixel Mega Scan, or are you going to make it yourself? Because if you make it yourself, are you going to make it to the same level of quality as <laughs> as that? And so yes, you can create a beautiful environment in Unreal, yeah. but you have yeah. to be able to match that quality in everything else you do. Um, and th- and this is such a um, it, it's su- it's such a big problem in asset flip games um, where you start to see that break down where it's like you're you know like I'm in the super realistic environment but then when I go and um, I, I don't I'm not going to say any game names because I don't want to cast any shame but or any shade but um, <laughs> I watch I recently um, I was watching a trailer for this game that initially looked really cool and then as I started watching through the trailer it immediately jumped out that it was an asset flip. Um, and the first thing was that like, you start to notice that like all the styles of things are mismatched. It's like, yes, the environment looks awesome because it's a pack. It's an asset pack. It always, the environments always look the best. Yeah. And I know, I know what kind of games you're talking about. And then, and then there was this, there was, they showed a cut scene, which I assume was from like the beginning of a boss battle. Um, and the boss's animations were incredibly stiff, like, like, like beginners first month of blender stiff animations. (laughs) And it was like, okay, so you've got these gorgeous environments that are, that were made by a very talented 3d artist, but then the animations are terrible. Like they look awful and they're super stilted. And then uh, then there's like gameplay and you see gameplay of the of the character like interacting with things in the environment and it's extremely clunky like nothing yeah. is nothing is smooth and it's like okay so you're seeing the gaps there's you're seeing the gaps in the assets so it's like yeah. the environment asset looks great the weapon the character's holding asset looks great the player's first person controller template that they got looks great until the player needs to do something that isn't in that template like yeah. like like um like like hiding inside of a container from an enemy and then you see that the player just kind of lurps into position and it's like wait a second what happened to the super smooth first person controller i was seeing um and so i and so i do agree with you like you can make some awesome looking stuff in unreal with a lot less effort than i think it would take to do it in unity um and so if your goal as a game developer is to make breathtakingly beautiful games and you have the chops to do it then yeah unreal is probably your best bet but if you have the assets and the talent and the budget to make a game that big like you're probably going to want it you're probably working in unreal already anyway (laughs) like um, i I agree i agree you know the thing is is that uh you know i don't have a problem with unreal i really don't i don't have a problem with unreal and in fact i have more of a problem with unity than i have with unreal mm -hmm. yet i still use unity but the issue is, is that you see a lot of concept games come out of Unreal, mm-hmm. like uh, like body cam type games or walking simulator games. Oh yeah, and there's these mini like ten minute games, and they look amazing. They're super simple, um, very tight, focused on one little thing. Um, but if you wanted to scale that and make a full game that's like a six hour experience with a variety of different characters and weapons and environments and mechanics. It's, it's, it's really, I'll just say that's a really difficult thing to do cohesively with assets. Yeah. Um, You have to, you have to be very, very, you have to have a good eye as a, as an artist to know, because I do that all the time. Me and my team, we're picking assets all the time. Mm -hmm. But if you look at Twisted Tower, it does not look like an asset flip game. And that's because we we take the assets and we're very precise with which assets we choose. Mm-hmm. 
and then we will retopologize them, retexture them, repaint them in Substance Painter, mm-hmm. and bring them into the game under one style. Yeah, well, and that's the difference between like, like, uh, like I said, I was tempted with Cultic to use to just like find some some three D mm-hmm. models of cars because I'm going to take that model and I'm going to I'm going to texture it myself and then I'm going to voxelize it, and so it's like I'm not just taking it and copy pasting it into my game. Um, and even then I decided not to do that because I wanted to learn how to model cars because I didn't know how to do it. Um, so that was just like a learning opportunity, but yeah, there, I mean, there's a big gulf between like, like in, oh, here's a great example in bone rooms. Uh, the skeleton model I use, um, is an asset. Um, because like granted the, the decoy, the skeleton that's like in the hazmat suit is, you know, I made the hazmat suit, but the thing with like the skeleton model is that like, if I, this is a really nice looking human skeleton model. And if I spent, I can spend a week making my own and even if i make an awesome looking skeleton it's going to look just like this one because because it's the same thing it'll be the same model Uh, i know know. that's what i tell my team all the time because my team they uh one of my team members felipe he's such a great artist and he wants to make all the models and i i think it's great i'm glad he wants to do that but i keep telling him i'm like if it's something simple like a suitcase or something it's gonna look the same yeah. so let's just go grab a suitcase a suitcase you know? is a suitcase yeah yeah actually that's not true because if you the suitcases in in twisted tower are gorgeous and he did those so i take that back um and he he usually proves me wrong um because i'm always like let's just go find the asset and then he's like he's like give me five he has a really deep voice give me five minutes and i'll show <laughs> you why we want to do this and then he'll send me something five minutes later i'm like oh yeah that's why you wanted to do that so you know, Unreal, Unreal is, it's a, it's a tempting, I think it's more, um, it's kind of like walking into a, a huge buffet, um, and, and all the food looks delicious and you just want to get everything. You want all the quick still mega scans. You want all the volumetric lighting. Um, you want all the real time lighting, all the real time shadows and it's, it's working amazing and you, and you're so impressed with what you've created. And then you try and run it on an Xbox <laughs> or you try and run it on a PlayStation and it's like 20 frames per second. Um, and I think that that's the difference between Unreal and Unity because, and by the way, you know, it's like there's probably Unreal listeners, Unreal developers listening right now and they're thinking, well, I don't do that. And I'm thinking, <laughs> yes, I agree. I 100% agree. A lot of Unreal developers don't do that, but there's a ton who do because they don't understand that Unreal... <clears throat> is a is a very heavy engine oh yeah if, you, if you're not careful well um, I just look I just look at the install size that's that's that was that's a crazy difference to me and granted that I know that really doesn't mean anything in the scope of game dev but it's like like well, you, you like you slow d- when you open it I mean I found it to be slow when I opened it um and used it but then again I haven't used it that much so I mean unity for me is just um and granted of course I've been using it for quite a while um and so I'm really comfortable with it but unity is cozy it's it's a very cozy engine um, what do you mean by let's talk about that what does that mean um it's just it's uh especially for for beginners and solo like for solo smaller projects it's 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 uh it has everything you need and and, and and that's it. Like that's it's it's very easy to get started in. The the, the UI is very clean. It's just very cozy. And I think you talked about this like when the when the when the Unity scare of 2023 happened. Yeah. Um, of yeah. like jumping into Unreal and just the absolute like bombardment of features that are there. And not yeah. that that's a bad thing, but it's like yeah. 
uh man like i I just i don't need all of that um especially for like the games i make are simple um and so and so unity is it's very it's very clean and simple and 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 it's like it's almost like comparing and somebody who's like a C++ pro is going to call me on this. Uh, I'm going to say that. But like, it's almost like comparing C++ and C Sharp in terms of like, like readability and, and what I would say again is coziness. It's just like, I feel like, yeah. I feel like C Sharp is a cozier language. Um, it, yeah. it's, it's easier to get to grips with. It's easier to parse. It's easier to read. I mean, parse from like yeah. a visual standpoint, not like a, uh-huh. not, not like an uh-huh. assembly language standpoint. Um, and I've just, I've always been very, very comfortable in unity. And of course I've used it for, you know, like eight years now. And so, yeah, Uh the unity scare of this year sucked. That was awful. An awful time. It did suck. An awful time. It did suck. I agree with you. I, I totally agree with you that unity has this cozy vibe. Um, it, it's, you could compare it to like cultures maybe like the unit, the unity culture not the com- corporate culture. I don't like the corporate culture. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I mean is like when I go to a different country, um, like if I go to Italy, uh, I can say I don't like Italy. And it's like, well, you've only been there for a week and you're, you've also been raised in America your whole life. So you don't, you can't just fit in randomly. You have to actually do the work to fit in. The thing about unity is it, to me, the the framework of unity and the way that it works, it just made sense to me on a core, almost a genetic level. Like yeah. when I opened it up, it made sense to me. Yeah. How it communicates with itself and how game objects and components communicate to each other. Yep. It just makes sense to me. Yep, I agree. And Unreal, I can't, it's, it's just a different paradigm. It is. It's a different paradigm and I'm, it's not wrong. Clearly, it works. It's great. One of my favorite games, the game we're replicating, twi- or not replicating, but really, really inspired by twi- is Twisted Tower, where is Bioshock. Mm-hmm. So Twisted Tower, our game, is inspired by Bioshock. And Bioshock was made in Unreal. Mm-hmm. And so I know that Unreal is great. It's just very, very, it's a, it's a different paradigm. And I I tried it, and I, I can't, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I'm smart enough to understand it or something. Yeah, I um, during the Unity scare, I like many other people uh, downloaded Unreal and looked at it, and I was like, "If this Unity thing goes through, I might just be done with game dev." <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> "I I can't, like I I don't," I, and I'm sure I would have gotten used to it and I would have loved it, yeah. Uh, yeah. but I'm just like, man. But we, it's really funny you talk about um, like like culture of a game engine, which brings me to another great point I had. Um, the worst part about the Unity scare, besides Unity being turds, was. Um, <laughs> the worst part was everyone just telling me to switch to Godot or Godot. Godot? How do you pronounce that? Godot. Uh, it's, it's well. That's the problem is that everybody's got the right way to say it. Everybody telling uh, me to just switch to Godot was Godot. I'm gonna say Godot was was infuriating because I'm just like it's not the same engine. It doesn't have what I need. And and people point like they're like, they're like yeah well I I've been using it for half a day and I made this I made this game already and the game is like one scene with like two objects. I'm like you didn't make a game. I'm like that's not a game. Uh, and, and I and I haven't used Godot myself, so and I, and, I'm, and I it looks really cool and really promising. And, and I don't mean any disrespect towards it, but it's just like when you look at it, like you like nobody can point me to like large scale games that were made. But it's like what Cruelty Squad I think was made in Godot, I think, which I haven't played. There, there are a few, um, and it's it's the thing is this is that I think that. The same could be said about maybe Blender before it became massive. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, but, that, but, but I, to your credit, 
it's like, yeah, but I don't have time for that. Yeah. Like I've got to make I've got to make a commercial game for Xbox, PlayStation, and yeah. Steam, yeah. and potentially Nintendo Switch. I can't rely on an open source engine that is not fully functional. Yeah. And f- all the features are available for like that's the big part about Unity is that porting to other platforms. Yes, it is a nightmare, even with Unity. But Unity has that documentation and those relationships with those platforms like Xbox and PlayStation. Yeah. That currently Godot does not have. Yeah. Well, and just like, um, it's, it's just like when people are like, man, there was this thread on the Steam discussions board for Cultic that I had to lock because it was, it was disgusting. It was just like, like this really toxic, like this person came in and was just like, you should just switch to, you should just switch Unity or Cultic over to, over to Godot. And I was like, yeah. and I was like, why? Like, what, what, like, what? What does Godot offer me? And like, like, let's say at best that the that the that the engines feature complete feature parity, which they don't, as far as I know, right yeah. now. Um, yeah. Let's say that at best they offer complete parity. What benefit do I gain right now from switching my game that's already released to a different engine? Like, tell me that because I don't think you understand yeah. game development whatsoever. It's this person that's signed yeah. the switch because um, it's like, hey, this is I, this is. A- Go ahead. Because it's, like, it's like, a, I, I wouldn't be able to port the game. Like that's that's a big bold like red flag. It's I would, a huge problem. Yeah. Um. And B, like you can't, I, you can't point me to another game that does what Cultic does. Um. With its scale, with all the lighting, with all the physics stuff. Like you can't point me to another game that does that to show me that the engine's capable of it. And I'm sure, I'm sure it is. But like I have to see that. Like I have to see that games of that same caliber were made in that engine and run well and run acceptably. Um, yeah. And it's just like, I don't know. Like I, like I said, I haven't used Godot myself. I have nothing against it. This is just coming from the Unity, I, the Unity I scare. I don't have anything against it either. I, I have something against what I'm about to say, which is... <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't like how human beings gravitate towards religious behavior with everything. Yeah. So like, it's whether it's politics, whether it's movies, video games, and game development, it bugs me well are you okay. are you implying that people aren't level-headed about politics are you sure <laughs> yeah how can i say that what sure? am i talking about <laughs> but the, the the problem is like and this is coming i'm a religious person right i am a religious person but i i i, I stay religious about one thing and then everything else i'm not mm-hmm. uh, and i and i get frustrated when people get hyper like cultic dare I say, <laughs> about Ooh, I'm putting a game pin in engines. That. I'm putting a pin in that. I know, I come about back to that. game engines. And you're, you're right, like when the big Unity scare happened, and let's let's both admit the scare was legitimate. Oh, yeah. What they did was, what they did was re- really dumb. And let's cross our fingers that they don't do some runtime fee thing again. Oh, God. Right? Do we agree? Well, okay. So how much do you <laughs> buy into the conspiracy theory that that, that idea... <laughs> that was so gigantically stupid that like everybody knew was gigantically stupid was was put out there in public just to get rid of Richatello. What do you think? So I heard I saw somebody say that and I was like, "Man, I could see that." <laughs> like I could see that happening. You know, there's a, I think is, it, is it, this, there's potential. There's is this a, potential. is this a bad topic? Is this going to get us is this going to get us the all. Band if it if no 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 if it did I, I would cut it it's not it's like i like the guy i got to meet him and hang out with him at the unity head i got see this is the thing is i got people got mad at me because i said he was a nice guy mm-hmm. 
I, so I, I don't like have a dog that, in that fight. I, I only I only know him. The, I only know him for the things he said online. So that's that's where my that's where I come from. Well, he has he says dumb things. He's he has said dumb things in the past. But literally, I'm like, I met John. We had a great conversation. I think he's a nice guy. I think what he did was stupid. <laughs> and then people get frustrated with me, and they're like, "You can't just you can't just say people are a nice guy and and with what what he's done." And I'm like. We don't have to behave like a, some sort of tribe here. Um, it's a game engine, guys. It's just a game engine, right? Well, um, and, and to him, it's, it's business. To him, it's business. You know, it's business. Yeah. And that's and that's the thing is like, like um, if 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 John and I were to were to meet in rural Kansas for some reason, um, and, and if we were to talk about like like uh, like barbecue, and um, and I don't know, like the weather, we'd probably get along fine because I'm sure he's a, yeah. I'm sure he's a normal human being. But if we were to talk about business as it relates to games, you know, me coming, me as somebody who's all about passion, and him yeah. who is, you know, more all about business, I'm sure we would heartily disagree. Uh, and so there, I mean, there are, there are two sides of it. But like going, well, back you're to- a very you're a very principled game dev with very pure reasons for why you make games. Uh, I'm sort of. A little bit more corrupt, <laughs> and then and then John is way 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 way. Well, it's it's just uh, it's just different ways of approaching it. There, there's a sliding scale from like, you know, <laughs> from from like purist making itch.io games who never charges for their games because it's all passion, and then there's you know, NFT AI crypto into gaming on the far <laughs> end of it, um, where it's all about games as as numbers and profit, um, and yeah. and then somewhere in the middle. Is is you and I, you know, like, and, and we're, you know, we're we're yeah. we're not we're not at either end of that spectrum because I, I, you know, I do consider myself very much all about like the soul and art of game design, but it's also my career, so I do care about, yeah. I do care about the money side of it. I do care about marketing, you know, like I do, you know, those things are important to me, um, just uh-huh. just not to the same scale as they're important to somebody who wants to put a bunch of microtransactions in their game or who wants to you know do like a like a, a pay to win kind of thing like that's i i'm far from that but you know i'm also far from releasing games for free on itch because yeah i have i have a mortgage now and i can't do that <laughs> yeah exactly well that that brings me to you know you you say um you you care about the revenue you make are you worried that unity is going to take start taking revenue like they are you worried that they're going to do what they did again? Or do you think I they're going to put a pin in that. I don't think that even if they had put that dumb plan of theirs into motion, I don't think it would have been legally enforceable because I don't think you can. I don't either. I don't man. think you can retroactively change the terms of use on something. Like I just don't think that's legal. So like you know like I don't and, and I don't know how you would enforce it. You know especially for a game like Cultic that's not like a giant multi-million dollar game like it's like yeah like am i worried that if that if that if those changes went through i probably would have switched to unreal and it would have sucked and it would have been a big learning curve but i'm not going to like i'm not going to abide by those weird terms because because like they're dumb and they're but they're invasive i mean they're super invasive um and and i'm really scary yeah, and for that to have worked, the amount of super invasive software practices that Unity would have had to indulge in to accurately get install numbers would have been, it would have been way outside of what I'm comfortable with, and so I, I would which, have left. Which I, me too. Um, it originally I was like, eh, I think I may have tweeted like everybody's overreacting, mm-hmm. and then I looked at the, the 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 issue in particular with the runtime fee mm-hmm. and how they were basically gonna. I mean, how are they going to parse whether your game was pirated or not? Yeah. Um, 
And then you realize, okay, they're going to have to basically put malware on my computer, yeah. spies on my, uh, on everybody's computer. So I realized that it was like, whoa, this is a huge problem. But I think the reaction that they got was so detrimental. Oh, it was huge. It was huge. So detrimental to their brand that I really, man, I, I might eat my words here. I don't think they're going to try and pull that for another decade see and like you the thing is like the idea was like not only was it stupid like it, it was a terrible idea but you've got like i'm sure that everybody inside of unity said it was a terrible idea except maybe some shareholders who were like oh dollar signs huh eh? um yeah but like not only so like just conceptually it was dumb but like if you look towards it like towards the execution of it like you said like logistically how do you gather those numbers and how do you do them accurately and then they're like they go on record publicly and say that like oh we're going to make we're going to make steam we're going to make microsoft track it it's like no you're not like you really you're going to get accurate numbers from the platforms on that like yeah. it it just it was never going to work and that's why i have this weird like conspiracy theory that i'm like there, there's no Tell me way. About this. No, it's it's what I mentioned. Like I'm, I'm like I. Did you make it up? No, 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 no. I, I read, I read somebody say it was like a tweet where they were like, "What if this was all just a, a big ploy to get rid of uh, the CEO who was massively unpopular because of you know his his tie the stuff that he said publicly and his ties to EA and all the crap about." Well, what he said publicly, he said, "Game developers who don't choose to market their games are." stupid or something uh it was uh, i'm pretty sure it was monetized it was like my about mon monetization yeah, yeah. um and, and, and yeah and and sh and like i i didn't really dig into that that deeply um i'm i'm personally like i don't like the idea of heavy monetization on like in-game stuff i'm more of like a you know like like on a game like uh like like fortnite for example you know i got that game for free and i have a lot of fun with it so i don't if if a five dollar skin comes out that i think looks cool that's fine like it's whatever um, but then the, you have games where it just goes like way too far. Um, yeah. and so, and so there's a line there. Cause I think that like a free game with optional purchases is fine. But if, but if those purchases are barring enjoyable play, I think that's a problem. And also yeah. games that lean very heavily on like ads, like overtaking the experience, which I know is mainly a mobile thing. Um, but unity was really, uh, was really cozy with mobile gaming, uh, for a bit there yeah. probably still is. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I look at it, you know, I'm looking at it from a, somebody who has only been making money off of game dev for like two years. Um, so very, yeah. very much a lot of my views on it are still steeped in like passionate developer, like, and I, and I hope yeah. it stays that way, um, because I really value that part of game dev and that part of the community. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, like if, yeah. if that had gone through, uh, I probably would have left cause I mean, it yeah. sucks, but the outcome of it was a great new deal for small time devs like the what was it like the cap for having to pay anything went up w doubled so it's 200,000 which is awesome i agree the 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 current pricing structure is is really great um, um it's i think it, it beats unreal um but everybody in the comments are going to say how foolish we are and you what you watch that people are going to say we're being foolish maybe. and i maybe i I don't, I'm like, I'm just not, I, 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 I'm not, they, that would be such a dumb decision it would, to, to go back on what they said. It'd be so bad, it would completely obliterate their brand. It would. It would be really, really um, bad. Permanently. So I just can't see it happening ever again. Yeah, and I don't, um, and I don't want people to think that I'm sitting here being like, 
like it's fine like what they did wasn't bad no it was bad what what they did was horrible but was because they went back they 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 took it back and they made the current agreement far better for their core audience which is beginner and, and smaller dev teams and they made the public the current deal so much better for them that situation and, for me is and, sorry go ahead they fired john yeah that's true as well that's true so that's a big deal right they got yeah. they changed out their leadership yeah so go ahead sorry no no no. yeah you're fine so like all of that it's like when it was first going on looking at unity the plan that they were trying to push out was that a big enough problem for me to throw away eight years of experience with an engine and with a scripting language yes it mm-hmm. was um it what it would suck but yeah that's that's a big enough compromise of like what i of integrity that i would yeah i would have been done however and and there were some developers that did that were like no that like we can't trust them anymore and i 100 percent get that but my stakes are a lot smaller because like the numbers that unity was like here's here mm-hmm. here's where we're going to start charging you I'm gonna look right at the audience. Coltic's nowhere near those numbers. I'm completely, I'm completely <laughs> safe. Um, but after they went back on it, and you know they 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 made their apologies, they fired John, they improved the current deal for developers. No, it's no longer a big enough problem for me to throw away all of these years of experience I have with the engine. And I hope it'll get better. You know, like because I have, you know, I've been with Unity a long time, so I've seen all of the garbage um, that's been going, like, you know, the fact that the the new input system was, is still, I think, in like beta, basically. And it was for a long time. And there were Dude, there were multiple- Half of the features are in beta. In yeah, the yeah. And like, we had multiple years where we just didn't have a, a multiplayer solution because they deprecated UNet and then and, and the net, net code for game objects didn't come out until like last year. And yeah. and so like, there are huge problems with the engine. And, and they haven't like, the really cool thing about Unreal that I, I really respect what they're doing right now is their integration of of Fortnite and Unreal. And I know that some people probably hate Fortnite and whatever, but from 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 my perspective, it's very cool to see like you're like Fortnite was made in Unreal, and it's like and there there's no there's no there's no baloney about it. You know, it's like it's like the like because it's you could make this game in this engine. Um, and, and that's cool. And unity doesn't have that. They don't have that game and they, and they've said that they were going to, and I think they were working on one at one point. Um, but unity doesn't have a game. That's like, this is a game made by unity to show the power of the engine. And that's just, isn't that doesn't, that doesn't exist. And that sucks because that means that there's nobody at unity. There's no team at unity that is using their product to make games, to see where the gaps are. Um, because there are gaps and, and, and the community's yelling about them, but I don't know. No. And, and I imagine Fortnite in development was an awesome learning opportunity for that team to, to see all of these cool new features that they could be including in their, um, in their, in their product, in their game engine for the public to yeah. use. Um, and again, I could be off base. I'm kind of guessing here, but that's just like my perspective on it. Um, I think that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, for sure. Well, man, that's, that is, that is great to, to hear your thoughts on, on the unity situation because you know social media was just a it was just a dumpster fire and i I didn't really get to talk to anybody who yeah it sucked it was bad i didn't get to talk to anybody who wasn't panicking so it's been good hearing from you about that so let's let's wrap this up here i want to see um do you want to do you want to do a little show and tell oh you with guns 
show and do t- you want sh- to show and tell with guns well yeah i mean if do you <laughs> it, it's it's up to you because again i think you're the you're the one with the risk here of uh of of youtube getting grumpy that there's guns in your video well if 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 I only do what YouTube wants me to do, I'm going against my principles, and you've inspired me to be more principled because I have gu- I have some guns myself, not just my arms, but my Ooh, over in nice. my closet, uh, over in my closet. Because hey, I'm in South Carolina. What do you expect? Are you pointing? Um, are you pointing at your closet while flexing your guns right now? <laughs> I can't see you, um, but I have to imagine. That's no, what I'm doing. not. No, yeah. So for this show and tell, yes, I'd love to see your guns. Um, I can't see them because we're recording locally on our computer, so I can't oh. see you right oh, now. Oh no! All right. Well, so I've had so I've had I've had my my Mauser C ninety six on my desk this whole time. Actually, uh, let's see here. Is there a way to? No, there's not. I'm gonna Google search it while you say it, so that I can feel like I'm looking at your guns. Okay. Okay. Yes. And then and then I'll watch the video, the podcast later, and I'll be really impressed. Okay. So go ahead. So so I have I have so I'm a gun guy. Um, but I'm not like a gun expert. I'm like a gun enthusiast, especially guns that are like, uh, I collect novelty 22s. Um, so like, cause 22s, for those of you who don't know, 22s are a very small caliber. Um, they're not, you don't really use them much for like, uh, you wouldn't use them for like hunting large game or anything, but they're really fun for shooting soda cans with, um, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and like target shooting and they're cheap. They're really cheap. Yeah. Um, and 22s don't kick a lot. They're not very loud. Um, and so it, it, you know, you don't blow your shoulder out. So I like to collect novelty 22s, like guns that never really made it big because they were just like goofy or impractical. Um, yeah. but I also have a lot of the guns from Coltic. So I have, I have a Mauser C96 which is uh which which is c96 yeah or the the red nine this isn't a red nine but um the titular gun from uh from coltic um it's my favorite handgun of all time uh since playing resident evil 4 yes it's a resident evil 4 inspired thing um it's also it's also uh han solo's blaster in star wars it's a c96 with a bunch of with a bunch of stuff glued to it um was it actually that gun yeah 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 well i don't know if it was like a prop one or a real one but it's yeah it's but it's it's a c96 oh, really? well yeah like the stormtrooper rifles are the are the same thing they're like uh, oh i don't want to get this wrong i think they're a sterling submachine gun uh-huh. I'm, I'm not going to look it up now if i'm wrong i'm sorry but they're also i think a real gun with just stuff glued to them um so yeah that's that one uh was it's a gun i've always really wanted to buy but they're really expensive um and so that was kind of like when cultic came out and i got my first royalty check um i was like i'm gonna do it i'm gonna buy it uh, and so, so I got, and so I got a, I got a broom Instead handle. Instead of paying your mortgage, you bought a gun. No, I did both. I did both. Um, I'm going to scoot off camera here. I've also got, um, some of these aren't as cool as the ones in Coltic because they're legal. Um, but I've also got my, my trusty double barrel shotgun and a lot of the shotgun reload sounds in Coltic were recorded from this. No way. Um, really? Yeah. So like the, like the sounds of, uh, of like popping the shotgun open and, and slamming shells in it. I recorded um, actually at my old house, um, in my, my, at the time girlfriend's closet, she has a, a clo- like a walk-in closet completely full mm-hmm. of clothing that makes a surprisingly good acoustic, uh, chamber to record in because oh, there's like no echo. Um, and then let's see, well, I gotta, I'm kind of like tethered here. I'm gonna take my headset off for a second. Um, I'll just slide these over a little closer to me. Oh, this feels so weird having all these at my desk. Okay, so then I've got everyone's everyone's favorite the lever the mare's leg lever action rifle, mm-hmm. um, which in the game is a three is three five seven. This one's twenty two, um, so it's it's a little smaller, but I've got that. Um, that's really fun. The uh, nice. the semi automatic shotgun, which is a chopped down. Um, well, it's technically a model eleven. 
Um, but the Browning Auto 5 looks almost identical. Um, the internals, I think, are a bit different. But So I've, I've got a legal one because you can't chop them down like that. That's bad. Well, that's what I was going to um, ask. Um, um, so this one's legal, very legal. Um, yeah. And then, so do you hunt, by the way, Jason? I don't. I um, I I think that uh, I don't think I could. I don't think I could shoot an animal. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I, I don't. I don't have anything against people who do hunt. I'm just like me personally. I don't think I could well, do it. You said you're you live in Kansas, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so that it's a great place to hunt. So, uh, so uh, yeah, I, I like to hunt like soup cans, uh, like line those up, and I also have and cult, and cult leaders and cult leaders. Yeah, yeah. I also have a a replica Stenmark five because oh my goodness, getting one of those in good shape is uh uh it, it's a full auto weapon. So I as a collector, it would be really expensive to get one. You can buy parts kits and like weld them together with a semi automatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, with semi-automatic internals, I think. Again, I'm a gun enthusiast, not an expert. So if I'm wrong, just yeah. just call me on it. Um, so yeah, I've got like, I've got like half the arsenal, and then um, that's so cool, I man. I won't be able to get a China Lake because uh, those are mostly in museums. I think. What's it called? A China Lake? Yeah, what? that's the grenade launcher. Um, it's it was How like. Just, oh, China Lake. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, it was like an experimental grenade launcher. I think developed for the Marines, maybe. Um, but there's so not, there's cool. like there's like not very many of them that exist. Um, Surely you can get one, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah. I think I'm allowed to own. I think I'm allowed to own a you know a pump action grenade launcher in Kansas. That's probably fine. Um, <laughs> I think in Kansas probably. Now I'm I'm being kind of serious. There's certain things that you're allowed to get, like tanks, um, that are legal. Well, as long as it doesn't shoot, I think is usually. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. like it's like you can buy like you can I can buy a grenade launcher. I can't get grenades yeah. for it. I think is where I think is where the, I think is where the line gets drawn. Um, but full the fully automatic weapons are legal depending on if you have a tax stamp or not. Did you know this? I I am not going to spend the money to be a full auto collector. I'm that's not <laughs> not going to happen. I'm not. I went to a uh, a gun range. I won't say with who, but it's it's someone. It's another. It's someone at another YouTube channel. And uh, we went to a gun range, and we they really wanted to shoot a, a fully automatic weapon. And I was like, "Well, just because we're in South Carolina doesn't mean all of a sudden you get to get fully automatic weapons, like because mm-hmm. people think like in South Carolina it's like free reign." <laughs> um, and so we go to the we go to the gun range, and and lo and behold there's all these 1980s fully automatic weapons that you can rent. Oh yeah. And so we, we rented a couple and it was insane shooting those things. And this is the thing about video games. And, and I'm glad that you like, you, you like guns because you know how they're supposed to feel in the video game. Mm -hmm. Because if you grew up your whole life playing halo, which I did, and then you go and you actually shoot a fully automatic weapon. Do you know what the person said? There was there was two people who went with me, and one of the one of the one of the people persons said, "It's way louder than I expected." <laughs> oh yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> I, they're, I like, mean they're wearing yeah they're wearing hearing protection right? Yeah, but they were like scared. They were like it's 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 kind of scary. I'm like yeah, of course it is. Yeah, it's they're it's they're, it's, it's they're big very and, dangerous. They're big and powerful <laughs> and dangerous, and you have to be. Yeah, and it's just like um, I uh, so a couple of my friends from from Denmark that I met through 3D Realms uh, came for our wedding in October, um, and I took them out shooting because that's not something they had they had really done before, and that was fun. 
Uh, that was a what really is it good with time. the Danes, man? That the people I took out were Danish. I don't know. It's just that's what you do. It's like if you. Uh, oh, it's 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 so, it's so funny because like, uh, so a lot of those folks will give me crap for being American and, and being a gun a gun person, um, and they'll like you know they'll 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 tease me about it. But then I went when I was up uh, when I was in Denmark. We had like a like a team building day. Um, for 3d realms and slipgate and and it was great but we were kind of we were like out kind of in the country and somebody brought like a pellet gun like an air like an air an air rifle and people lost their minds like they were so excited i'm like you see if we were in america i would get out a shotgun and you guys would be like it would be awesome you're 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 like you're making fun of me for being excited about guns and you're flipping out over a pellet gun come on like that's it is it is very true and i i went to um slovakia over the summer and and uh, guns are ba- I, be- I believe guns are basically fully illegal there, mm-hmm. and all they wanted to talk about. Yeah, I went and hung out with some uh, students at like this um, this like English camp, and I helped teach English there. Oh, cool! And it was really fun. Everyone wanted to talk about guns, because <laughs> and, and and I say, well, well, you should come to America, you know, because because maybe you, maybe you can check out some shoot some guns at a gun range. And they, they, they said, I don't want to die because they feel like if they, if they get to America, they're immediately going to get shot. Well, you know, that's uh... and like, if you, if you fly into Chicago, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I feel like it was, it's kind of funny. There's a, um, there's another, another person at, um, at 3d realms that, that I used to work with that, um, not, not somebody who was like, uh, who's left, but just like, I don't do, I used to do graphic design with them. Actually this whole last year, mm-hmm. uh, I was doing graphic design for 3d realms and, um, I feel like I'm just like gonna identify them at this point. Anyway, somebody I worked with there uh, <laughs> was was from uh, Detroit, I think, and and yeah, and and, and, yeah. and I am in small town, cutesy small town Kansas, and so our views on like America are completely different. Um, right, it's it's, right. it's so funny because I'm just like like I love it here. Like like you said earlier, I'm a small town guy, and so like I yeah. I, I live in a town of like like less than 2,500 people. I have like we mm-hmm. have. Like a grocery store, a gas station, a bar, a Mexican restaurant, like a steakhouse. Uh, we have like just enough stuff, and it's great. I'm just imagining it's like great. Twin Peaks, um, that small town vibe. There's like a lumber mill over across the corner, <laughs> and a diner. Yeah. No. Yeah. That. A little, I, I, I'm a little flat. I'm a small time. But... Right. Exactly. I'm a small town guy too, and that's that's a great way to close this um, podcast because. I want I want people listening to know that game development it's it's the best job on earth but y- you can do it anywhere it doesn't matter where you are or who you are um, and it just takes it, I think it takes persistence and and a really good idea and I think I think you're a great example of that. Ma, well, thanks. I appreciate that. Get over here. Get down. Hey, thanks for watching. By the way, if you haven't downloaded that free 2D game kit below, click below, it's my treat to you. I used this game kit to make a game for PewDiePie in 14 days, and I actually got to play it with him in front of his audience, which was really cool. This game kit is totally free, it's my treat to you, and you can use it however you want. You can make a commercial game and make a million bucks off this game kit, I don't care. Or you could just use it for a hobby project. It's my treat to you. And by the way, if you haven't clicked like, that would mean a ton to me, hit subscribe, And also, this is important, hit that notification bell. Here's why. If you get notified of when I'm live, you can watch me make my next game and let me know in the chat 
what you think about the game or any ideas you have, and you might just show up, your chat might just show up in the next video that I upload. All right, I'll talk to you later, bye. I love you too.